How you doing, Dave? Not spoken to you on one of these for a while. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? I'm, I'm all right, mate. I've uh, just been working my way through Steam yeah. games and uh, playing Infinity Mountain Games of FIFA and trying to talk as little to Steve Burns as is humanly possible. Yeah, it's difficult, though, because he keeps phoning us about the company we all <laughs> run and stuff, and it? it's, it's annoying. Luckily, though, at least an hour of his time was taken up by Alicia Judge this week. Um... So uh, she chatted to Burns about stuff she's been getting on with during the lockdown, uh, some upcoming projects, uh, a really funny uh, bit about how she invented uh, an elderly nanny character uh, to play D&D with, and then (laughs) off the back of that taught herself how to knit and then got massively into knitting. So I hope everyone... uh, (laughs) Spoilers. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So I hope everyone enjoys that conversation. Um, I mean, the peak of the conversation is worth sticking around to the absolute end where Alicia tries to explain the concepts of dance and enjoyment to Stephen Burns who yeah. just cannot grasp it. He just, he's, he struggles, doesn't he? He's like, why would anyone do this? And she's like, because it's, <laughs> because it's, it's fun, Steve. And he's like, nah, just drawing a 404 on that. Not having any of it. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice chat actually. And uh, she's uh, someone that we've worked with quite often. Uh, yeah, she's really funny. She's brilliant. So I uh, hope everyone enjoys that one. Um, and we've got a bunch of other really cool guests coming up. So Burns has also spoken to Paul Rantcast. Uh, if you're into football, you might be aware of... Just um, be an hour of Man United shite yeah. now, won't it? <laughs> yeah. I spoke to Louise Blaine of uh, being into Mass Effect. Being into Mass Effect? Uh, right, now, spoke- did, did you talk about horror films with did- Louise Blaine? Because um, that's all we ever speak about when I see her at events. Uh, and I know that you you were scared of the Resi 7 event when we walked through it in order to shoot it and you were still terrified. <laughs> uh, I didn't speak about horror films, but we spoke about uh, what a two incredibly Louise Blaine subjects, which are... Um, Assassin's true, Creed. <laughs> well, Assassin's Creed, yeah, and true crime podcasts. Basically, anything involving murder, she seems to be well into it. Yeah, um, fair play. Are you raging that she's got a better Scottish accent than you? I mean, I'm jealous of her accent. She's got a West Coast accent, and I've got an East Coast accent. So mm-hmm. I've got the wanker accent, and she's got the good one. <laughs> um, You've got the Edinburgh accent. Yeah, yeah, oh, the terrible Edinburgh accent. So uh, your mind's going a bit West Country these days, though. <laughs> so I'm going to have this Back terrible... To com- yeah, I'm going to have this terrible combination of West Country and fucking uh, Ewan McGregor. I don't know what it's going to sound like when I'm 50. <laughs> So yeah, uh, yeah. I chatted to I chatted to, to Louise Blaine for that's going to come go up in a, in a, in a couple of weeks because uh, before then I also chatted to Mike Bithell um, about his North Star Rising yes. um, audio drama that he uh, basically geared his game studio into producing mm-hmm. during the lockdown because they've got a bunch of video game projects that are a long way away from uh, announcing anything, mm-hmm. but he wanted to do something to encourage people to donate to the trust. Trust. So he's done something that it's a it's a non profit endeavor, and basically they say at the end of it, if you like this, then by all means. Uh, oh look at uh, that, Jim Trinket in demand. Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> that that's a fucking. Is, I bet that's a pizza. No, it's not a pizza. It's probably my fucking a mouse mat off Amazon or something. Um, <laughs> you know, all the shite people are ordering for themselves these days. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, so Mike Bethel, it's really cool. It stars like fucking some really big names as well, like Troy Baker's in it, Scroobius Pip narrates it. And yeah, um, and, and it's wonderful. It's really funny. It's really, um, it's a science fiction story that's very aware of its roots, very aware of the sort of tropes it's, um, it, it's it's, it's quite deliberately using and mm-hmm. uh, it's just a, a wonderful, joyous wee thing. He's a very talented man, Mike Bithell, isn't he? So, he is. um, Nothing too bad, is he? Uh, on the subject of encouraging people to donate to charity, Burns will talk about this in more detail in the next podcast, but he wants us to say that Sue Ryder hospices um, are facing proper financial issues at the moment. Um, and, you know, that's in, in addition to the horrendous uh, human cost Mm -hmm. so if you like this podcast then uh, it would be great if you could donate a couple of quid to suerider.org because we would never ask you to fund uh, our podcast directly 
Um, but a lot of people do ask us, you know, have you guys got a Patreon? Are you going to set one up? And we don't have any plans to do anything like that. Uh, certainly not for the foreseeable. But mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty nice idea for creators to say, if you do like our stuff, go ahead and donate to this cause. And that's SueRider.org. I mean, Burns will be chatting about that in more more detail before the next one absolutely he's threatening to get us all involved in 24 hour streaming or something like that 24 he's, he's awake for two hours of a day how's he going to do 24 hour streaming well he's probably going to get us to bloody do it and then go to bed as per usual um, <laughs> well all that said then i hope everyone enjoys this lovely little chat between burns knobhead and uh, alicia who is a ray of sunshine lovely well enjoy that jim you go get your little mouse matter that's just arrived and we'll see you all soon <laughs> speak to you later consummate professionals we are professionals i run a production company you are a re- <laughs> one of the uk's best writers producers and presenters and this is probably the third go at it so anyway how are you <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm good, not too bad. Uh, How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, well, apart from uh, now screaming at the television, Mm. which is recording this, and uh, seeing how it goes, yeah, we're okay. Um, Is it it not ordinary for you to be screaming at the television? I can imagine um, that being a regular occurrence. Like, we've talked before, the character isn't me, but in (laughs) in times of stress, maybe it is. Um... (laughs) But uh, tell me about the uh, discounted Cornettos again, please. Oh, oh, Steve, there were, all right, there I was in my local Tesco Express, dodging people in the aisles, when suddenly I see across the aisle, there is an open fridge, and inside the open fridge is every flavour of Cornetto you can imagine. They had the chocolate, they had the strawberry, they had the plain vanilla if that's your bag, you know, not going to judge, and they were all 50p. And me and my flatmate Sam... We bought all of them, all of them. And now we have a freezer full of Cornettos. And you know, if the world's gonna end, there are worse things to have in your freezer. Well, I mean, yeah, just ask uh, Edgar Wright. But I like the fact that (laughs) we live in such a weird time that even just you being in a shop now seems like a left for dead level. Like you've got Mm. to get that. You've got to get those Mm. things that usually just saunter in, hung over, all the way. Oh yeah, maybe I will get some Cornettos, but yeah. Why were they discounted? (laughs) This is just what I was about to ask. I was literally about to throw this question to you of like, why were they discounted? And also, I mean, first of all, first question, let's roll it back even further. Why are things often put in the discounted box? Well, it's normally because they're out of date, right? Mm -hmm. But... But these cornet, like, they're frozen. Everyone knows that everything lives forever in the freezer. That's like a superhero origin story. You stay in the ice and, like, for millennia, you're there until someone pulls you out in a space age. Like the, con- like the thing. I'm worried about this now. I need, I need to know more about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a freezer full of cornettos that are basically the thing. This is the moral of the story. Yeah, I have a lot of questions of why they were there. It's unclear. They taste amazing. Uh, there was ne'er a scratch upon them. They... I were perfectly in date. I think that maybe someone put them there. You know, like there's some hero of a Tesco Express worker who was like, you know what people need in these trying times? Discounted tornet- Cornettos. And they wielded their sticker gun like some sort of, I don't know, glorious super weapon. And we're like, yes, behold my people. I love that the stakes are now so both high and low that finding something like that is like, yes! Like real apocalypse talk <laughs> that, isn't it? It's it unbelievable. Really is. what's, what's your apocalypse like item? What's the thing that you have been hoarding slash are grateful for? Well, I had a bit of a wobble when I realised that I wouldn't be able to get a big tasty for a while. Oh, um, God, of course. And usually I'm, I'm pretty good in high-stress situations. But this one just, I don't know, it just caused me to do the old Jaws dolly zoom moment where I was like, shit, this is actually <laughs> happening. I can't just, I've lost a lot of weight, actually, like, you know, fat, yeah. should I say. Um, but yeah, fortunately, we seem to have been able to still get our hands on most of uh, most of the, the food that we want. Oh, but thank yeah, mini, mini pizzas, yeah. if they're out. Well, that's a problem. Because then you've got to wait another week. Mm, nah. mm, no, can't be uh, having that. Can't be having that. No. Mm. And uh, Diet Cokes. Oh, so, yes. 
if I'm on a project, I usually stress drink Diet Coke. I know, I know so. a lot of people who do this, There's, and, it, and it's a frequent thing to do with stress. And I'm starting to wonder whether there must be some sort of science in it, because like, you're not the first person I've heard who swears by Diet Coke in, in stressful situations. I know, it's just, I, I always used to think, oh, I don't like Diet Coke, don't like it, no. no. And now suddenly, like, Steve, how many uh, cans of Diet Coke have you had today? Uh, three, three. Or four, or like, I'm stressed. <laughs> what's, what's the optimal level of diet coke? Like, how many is like the perfect amount that gets you at your most productive, your least stressed, and doesn't tip you into like jittery mode? Oh, I don't know. I'm always just kind of walking around with one. They're indis- indistinct from one another. It's uh, just need it <laughs> like a stress ball in my hand. I know if, <laughs> if there's a diet it coke, in your it's, veins. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Well, it's got enough chemicals in it, so mm, it'll probably work. Yeah. Um, but I must say that you are the best prepared guest we've ever had on this. Oh, really? Because uh, when I, when, you know, when we spoke, it's like, okay, so how would you like to be introduced, and what would you like to talk about? And yeah, what came in was just fantastic. Like most of the people are like, yeah, whatever, man. We'll see how it goes. Oh, <laughs> it's like oh an entire... In- but no, that's good. That is actually good. It's just the, so, it's well, the producer in me. It's like, if you exactly, give me a exactly. thing, I'm like, right, here's here's a bullet point list. Would you like a deck? <laughs> it was not a slight in any way, shape or form. <laughs> but the first thing you talked about was uh, Cod Warzone. Oh, God, yes. So I'm yet to get on that even though I own Modern Warfare. So, Steve. yeah, what's the upshot? Okay, first of all, we are going to remedy that. Uh, like, literally, hit me up whenever. I would love to drop into the dance with you. Um, Warzone is Warzone's just brilliant. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how you'd think that we'd be a bit bored of this whole Battle Royale ship that we've been sailing ever since Player Unknown Battlegrounds. But, um, but I just think that every time someone brings out a battle royale game I genuinely really enjoy trying to figure out all the little ways that a developer's tried to figure out to put something new into the genre Mm -hmm. and with with you know a developer like Call of Duty the fun of it is almost the nostalgia they did the same with um blackouts the previous black ops game had like a battle royale mode and what they do is they take like all of those maps you know the really good old ones that you know and love from multiplayer in in previous years and they put them in like one big map that you can kind of like run between all these locations Mm. and it's and it's cool when you first drop into this massive map and you're running for your life literally and you don't really know where you're going and then suddenly you stumble into an area and you're like oh my god i know this place it's like a little piece of home and suddenly you know the tactics for that area and like yeah i've just i've really been enjoying exploring the Verdansk map and and just playing online multiplayer the way that i used to do at uni yeah. when you were spending a lot of time in your flat like what lockdown has done is you know given us a lot of time to sit in and play online games in a way that i've not done in years i think you're absolutely right because i've been playing a lot of left for dead recently oh yeah and left for dead was my favorite uh, game of the 360 generation and it's actually brought all of the guys who used to play in my four-man team back together. And it's really nice to Aww. speak to these people for the first, you know, and uh, playing a game about being a carrier in the apocalypse and not surviving <laughs> it when you fight. Maybe seems too on the nose, but the tactics thing is absolutely right because you slip straight back into those modes where someone is the fire team leader, as it were, or mm. someone knows when this is going to spawn or how to get through this. And it's just been really nice. And uh, all the all the guys we've been playing with, you know, everything's very stressful. But they're like, let's let's get back on Left 4 Dead, which is also one of the most stressful video games I've ever played. <laughs> and is. if that is less stressful than outside, a we're in trouble, and b I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it is, it is. But actually, there's something about that of like, you know, there've been a couple of moments where I have been a bit stressed. Like, you know, it's just general work stress of like things will pop up and maybe like just something difficult has come up, and I've kind of gone, ah, oh, right, I'm gonna take a half hour hour break because I can do Mm. this I've got the flexibility of at home I can take a half hour break now make it up at the end of the day yeah and you turn on Call of Duty or a multiplayer game like Left 4 Dead and you spend half an hour shooting and it's so weird it's almost as if it gets out those like shooty bang urges that you bottle up inside it's so cathartic it's so cathartic and genuinely I feel reset then I you know go back into whatever problem and it's like oh okay cool great I can face this it it shouldn't be like that (laughs) (laughs) I mean generally not just for you but yeah generally it's it's a weird one but one of the things that I'm hearing a lot from people who tweet me or 
on general the internet is that they are starting to reconnect with people like mm. that, like FIFA teams or Pez three on three or something like that. I, I don't know. It's not good, but you know, reconnecting with old teammates like that. I haven't played Left for Dead campaign online since two thousand ten. Yeah. And uh, but it's also worrying how easily you slip back into the roles. Yeah, like it was always there, like Westworld. You just get turned back onto yeah. the loop, as it were. And like, oh, well, and the arguments start in the same way that they used to before with the personalities. Mm. There's got to be something, an amazing study done about that. Yeah, um, I think there was. I think this... there, there. I'm sure there was a study done where they looked almost Myers Briggs types at like the type mm. of gamers uh, that there are. There was like Explorer. Uh, oh, I mean, I, it's been years since I read it, but I do remember there was like five archetypes, and you could uh, put yourself into. You could you could do a test to figure out which one that you were, and it came up when I was doing an interview once for a piece I was writing for the Guardian um, with do you know Punch Drunk, the immersive theatre company. They did like the Drowned yes. Man and um, really really cool company. But I remember talking to their creative director about how he was inspired by video game design, and he was talking about this study on player archetypes and how they think about it when they're designing their shows. Of like actually you know what sorts of people are coming through. Are you going to have explorers or are you going to have uh, people who want more active roles and things? Um, but yeah, you, you do see it a lot, don't you? In, in multiplayer games, in particular, that we fall into these sort of patterns. Yeah, I find I always I always get a little bit apologetic afterwards because, like, in the heat of the moment, I can be very like, "We need this and go here," and like, I never mean it to be like dictatorial. <laughs> <laughs> but then afterwards, I have to be like, "Oh shit, I'm so sorry." Oh, I don't know. It was fun though. Um, I've been playing Warzone and. Uh, online in in groups with headsets with friends mm. but sometimes we do the thing where you know you fill your party with someone else um that's a stranger yeah. and if you've got your mic chat on that person can chat back to you or hear what you're saying um <laughs> and so it's actually we've ended up and and, and do you know what the reason why it's so lovely is because we talk a lot in both inside the games sphere and outside about the stereotype of especially in games like Call of Duty about how people who play down the headset are very aggressive you know you're just going to run out into yeah. a lot of assholes online and I've totally not found that during lockdown like there have been so many fun moments of connection with total strangers like the first time that I dropped into Warzone I played online with a friend and a French guy who'd clearly played loads and just in French he tried to teach us how to play Warzone. Oh, amazing. I love those moments. They, those are the moments when you play with uh, the public as well, pub stars. Mm. You know, not, not that we're celebrities. I mean, just, you know, uh, pub stars is what they used to be called. <laughs> and you'd always, like every now and then, you'd find someone who would join your game or and they'd be incredible. And then at the end of it, you'd actually just say, and it would be completely magnanimous, like, thanks. And they'd be like, yeah, cheers, nice to meet you. You'd never hear from them again. Yeah, but totally. you'd remember those moments of totally. those people who were just amazing. Yeah, totally. We had that with, um, we were playing and uh, um, there was a Yorkshire, a guy from Yorkshire who got put in our party. And um, it was the same guy... I was playing with this guy, Ant, who was the same guy that we'd been in the group with the French guy. And so we found this weird mirror where... The Yorkshire guy had never played Warzone before, so we started teaching him everything. And it was like paying it forward almost, being like, oh, you know, this is where you go. This is where you... And like, we had this like amazing, and we got in the top five and it was this guy's first time playing. Um, and he, you know, so he was like really excited to be in the top five. And then we died and we were in that sort of like final screen. And then, and then he was literally like, so is this it? Do we just never speak to each other again? Is what he Amazing. Said. Yeah, just sorry. hearing that disembodied voice and be like, yeah, sorry. Like we shared this moment, but uh, bye. <laughs> but it's oh, like really poignant. It's lovely. It really is. That's what I kind of miss from having the time to, to play a lot of online games. Or mm. When I was younger, you know, you just hop on. And then, yeah, you get people who just join the party and a lot of them, as I said, would be knobheads. But I remember when I was a journalist, I went to the Call of Duty Ghosts review event. Oh, no way. And uh, always laugh about this, where uh, me, Ryan King, Josh West, a few other guys from the industry, we were then split into teams for what was called the first COD Ghosts um, like World Championships, basically, the LAN uh, land game and there was a guy there that none of us knew and I don't believe he exists 
Right. And he was really good with the honey badger weapon, the SMG. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he was so good that he rinsed the rest of the teams for us. We won the tournament. We've got got a photo with him. And I was speaking to Ryan Ryan, uh, the other day on Twitter. And uh, I said about Honey Badger. That's his name now. And uh, he said, I want to know who he is. And I was like, I don't. I don't want to know who he is. I Mm. want him to be committed to myth (laughs) like he was. Because he was so unbelievably good. He was, again, like one of those people who would just drop into your game, start telling you how to play it. And, uh, yeah, I'm worried that uh, we imagined him or that he'll come and get us in the night. So, But Warzone sounds fantastic. A, a few of my friends who love Left 4 Dead and Battlefield and a lot of the more cooperative shooters have been saying, oh, it's some of the best gameplay uh, for shooters that they've been in in years. Yeah, it totally is. It's just learned from all of the other battle royales, you know, and and it's it's borrowed things. Borrowed is a nice word, but like you know, it's borrowed from the ping system, for instance. Uh, just all of these different systems from battle royales that they can put their own spin on, but do the sort of. I've always found with Call of Duty that their shooting always feels steadier. There's like, a, especially on console. Yeah. They bring all of that design and it's shooter design, combines it in a, in a big sort of open space. And then you've got the link with multiplayer so you can level up your guns really quickly in normal multiplayer. And then you've got really great attachments to use in Warzone, which obviously is trickier because you're doing it across vaster distances. It's just really well balanced and genuinely a really, really fun game. I'm going to have to get on this now. You are. You are you literally are. like the 15th person who's been like, Steve, you're being a knob. As usual. I'm like, ah, yeah, but it's a a 100 gig download. It's like, Steve, you don't have anything to do. Like, where are you going? (laughs) You could just put a... Oh, I don't know. It's classic old man chat. Like, oh, I don't know. That Do you know what? That 100 gig download thing is totally fair. And they keep releasing updates that will be like two gigs, you know, like probably once a week. So it it does. It is a big install. But, um, But it's just, it's very fun. It really is. You should give it a try. Well, Especially since you've bought the main game, Steve. I know. I actually bought it. No one sent it to me because I'm, you know, out the game as it were now. No one sent. Mm. Not like the old uh, promo copy, not for resale days. Ah, oh, they're gone. They are gone. Um, but yeah, okay. All right. I'll jump on Warzone. I've been browbeaten yeah. into it. Literally um, jump out the plane in Warzone. Oh, actually, that's pretty good. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm working with Netflix at the moment um, on their YouTube channel. So, um, which is a funny one, because I guess like some people really balk at that and they're like, wait, so so you work for Netflix, but you're making YouTube content, like what? And it makes a lot of sense because it's sort of similar in the way to what PlayStation Access do, what we've seen in games for years of, you know, big companies going, okay, actually, like we'd quite like some editorial content, like stuff that's not advertising, that just kind of dives deeper into the stuff that we make. And they hire journalists and people with editorial backgrounds to sort of come in and go, here, you have unlimited access to all of our back catalogue, which, you know, as you know, is a complete dream for a content maker. And they go, yeah, make what you want. So I'm working with Netflix doing sort of like behind the scenes stuff basically and, and deep dives into their content. Um, at the moment I'm working on a fun little video actually looking at looking at um, why people who skip opening credits are numpties. Okay, so I'm fascinated by this. Like, so <laughs> there are certain credits which I... What's the, uh, the Jez line from Peep Show? You literally can't turn it off. You know, it's like mm. uh, Mad Men being one of them. Yes, that's such a strong uh, one. Absolutely. Because I feel that it just sets the tone. Yeah. Which is such a bizarre thing to say about no. a show that ran for, what, seven seasons and uh, veers wildly in places. But I don't know. There's something still in my brain about sitting down and the intro sequence just says, we're here now. Yes. And we can we can relax a little bit. And there's a story about the movie producer, Don Simpson, who did Top Gun with Jerry Brookhammer and the rest of it. And someone was saying that... They went to his office and it was 7 p.m. And he, uh, Magnum P.I. started and he just relaxed. His whole body just totally relaxed. And they mm. said, you okay? And he's like, this me, this theme tune means no more phone calls. And mm. I thought, yeah, that's the power of an intro, right? So yeah. what's uh, what's the upshot on people who skip that 
they are numpties and should be yeah well eradicated well well funnily enough you know everything that you were saying just then about um how you sit down and you watch the opening credits of mad men and you feel in it you know even though it's run for seven years every time you watch the opening credits that you'd watch them just to sort of get in that headspace that's exactly what uh, there's a guy called patrick clare who's the creative director at elastic and elastic made like the game of thrones title sequence in fact the you know the crown like you think of any of the big shows of the last oh, that's a years. great that's a great title sequence so good like it's probably patrick clare and his team who've made them so uh, mm. he knows his stuff and he describes opening credits as like an airlock it's something that you walk through uh, that takes you from your real world. You pass through this airlock that's in between the real world and the world of the show. And then you walk mm. into the world of the show and it prepares you. And I think that's, that is the best way to put them. The only reason you should skip them is if you've been binging and you're already in the world of the show. But even then, yeah. even then, there are so many opening credits that they, they also exist as storytelling devices. You know, you look at even like a show like The Witcher and the end mm. of each opening credit would end with like an emblem that would be a hint of whatever was about to happen and like unfold in the show. There'd be sort of like uh, uh, the way that the emblem was shaped. There'd be little like yeah. hints of what monsters he'd be fighting. Um, I guess what I've been looking at in this video is is sort of why and how opening credits have evolved so much because I think we have this sense that they're a bit they're, that they're dull that you know there is that we can skip them and I think that comes from do you remember like the TV shows in the 90s and the 80s where essentially opening credits were actors staring down the lens giving it a thumbs up while their name appeared <laughs> <laughs> you yes. know that, that's what it used to be. And um, and that's because the way that we watched TV was very different to how it was now. You know, uh, back in yeah. the day, people came to TV shows for their star power and they watched every single episode because it was linear TV. It was always mm. going to be on at a certain time. So they didn't need any hints about the show or the storytelling because they'd watched every episode. They were like, you know, in. And um, they just wanted to see like the big names and the flashy smile. And then like things started to evolve sort of in the 90s, you know, with like The Simpsons and The Fresh Prince. Yeah. You look at those two titles and like in The Simpsons, it's a title that people really dipped out in and out of. Like sitcoms were, I don't know, I mean, no one really watches The Simpsons episode after episode and they certainly didn't in the 90s. It was like you sort of course it when you course it. Well, they even truncated it themselves, didn't they, for The Simpsons where you'd skip the whole middle section so you'd have the chalkboard sequence mm -hmm. and then you'd have this sofa sequence because yeah. the rest of it as you you know okay let's just get to it and a lot of that what i think i mean you know you you've been doing it, is the americanized uh advertisements where it's like okay so we have the credits now mm. we're an ad what mm -hmm. and when whenever i'm at well was at e3 pull one out <laughs> it's like you watch tv shows you watch friends in america okay so you get your uh, preamble advert you get a bit of the credits advert like how is this how is this allowed to happen yeah <laughs> yeah so true yeah but the thing that's really interesting about the simpsons is that then what it does is that little bit of the chalkboard the bit sort of like uh just before with homer simpson um and the radioactive thing and he drops it and he's really clumsy like mm. you get these little snippets reminders of what each character yeah. is it's like it sort of like draws you in by going oh so remember homer's a klutz bart's really naughty you and then you get them all on the sofa at the end and you sort of see satirical kookiness of like the simpsons yeah, always, nice. like the final thing and it's like oh okay cool right we're moving into opening credits that are like actually getting us in a mood it's it's that sort of airlock um idea yeah. but while also still giving you some information about what the show is um yeah the simpsons had that great uh when it cuts to the television it has an, a, like, a massive fanfare as well as if to say mm. right we're here now yes you've been you know you've so been grounded true. The da, 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 exactly da, da. right yeah so true so true what is your favorite opening of any tv show oh that's a really hard question um i do really love the westworld opener it's, yes me too the reason why i love that one so much is because it actually gives the backstory without slamming you over the head with it and that like you never yeah. see in the tv show really how 
a host is made from scratch. You see them getting repaired. Mm. You see the workshop, but you don't see like the process of like the sinew and how it's like pulled together and like the way it's like dipped in the bath of milk. And yeah, they there was an interview that I was reading with the makers where they were like, yeah, we just couldn't really put it in like the first season. So we designed the opening credits around it and they do it in this like really beautiful way. And like that, that score on, on the, in the background, the music, it's just ah oh, stunning. That's one that never gets skipped when I'm watching it, even though yeah. I do believe season three is absolutely dreadful. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the feeling of locomotion mm. through the the opening, uh, there's always something like running or moving. If it's a buffalo or a horse or, or whatever yeah. through it, there's something really sad about the hosts, which yeah. is expressed in that intro, which is expressed elsewhere. But yeah, there's something about that that. Yeah, the it's a melancholy. Absolute, yeah, absolutely clear. But totally. uh, the my favourite is Knight Rider. Gosh, now there's a classic. I know that's a real kind of, you know, 80s, early 90s kid thing to say. But talking about you know, getting you ready, that perfect shot of the car coming through the desert and it's all purple. You're like, okay, that's weird, you know. And then uh, it's just the voiceover is like... Uh, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. I'm like, I'm fucking there. Right. Everything else is finished now. I need to know what, and all the, the episodes are crap, <laughs> but it's for the intro. It's like, I need to know what this guy's going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. No, so, I mean, it's, it's cheesy looking back on it, but it's classic. Like that was a totally iconic opener. Oh, it's so good. It's just, there's something about it that just, again, you were captive, it was linear, and it was like, right, here's yeah. David Hasselhoff. And it made him seem way more dangerous than the actual show, where he'd just have a perm and be like, trying to help people here by smashing a car into a bank or, or whatever's going down this, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I totally. think that obviously the intros are better now. <laughs> but, no, but uh, but what's also really interesting, you know, when, when we think about um, how things have evolved, you know, we look at intros like in Knight Rider and then, Roll over to present day. It's not only TV shows that have uh, opening intros; it's games as well. Have you noticed that? That like we're seeing mm. more opening credits, like cinematic credits in video games. Like you know, you were asking what one of my favorite opening credits was, and actually, um, I really love the opening credits to the first Last of Us game. And I know, yes, they're fantastic, and they're, and they're so simple. Like nothing really happens in them. You know, in fact, mm. you can really easily switch off, and like, and you know, I wouldn't blame you. But it's more, it's not necessarily even what they do within the credits, and and the music is beautiful, and the way that they do like the mold growing really fast is is really clever. Yeah. Um, but it's the placement of it, like the fact that you've just done that title sequence, you've just spoilers. Uh, <laughs> well, Sorry. Hey, Last of Us yep. spoilers. Don't worry Last about it. Last of Us spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been out for a while, but you know, you, you know, so you've just seen um, your daughter die, and you're reeling from that gut punch, and then this title sequence rolls, and it's quite a long one. In fact, some might say too long, but I think the reason why it's so long it is to just give you that breathing room. You know, twenty years are passing in the space yeah. of that title sequence, and it just it gives you this breather after a huge emotional moments. And that's a really smart cinematic storytelling trick that video games have very much learnt from TV and cinema and, and have put into their storytelling. Yeah, one of the things about uh, video games, they always get accused of being cinematic or adult, you know, <laughs> and mainly that just means someone gets shot to pieces. But yeah. I always... Uh, was it Imaginary Forces, the agency that did the openings to MGS 2, 3, I think? Definitely mm -hmm. 3. And those were really good. Real good scene setters. And then Kojima will always push the cinematic angle. But yeah, uh, The Last of Us has a great one. Yeah. Because as you say, you, you just come out of a real high-intensity situation. And it's like, oh, this has happened, is it? And you don't just want to go straight to the the next level. Uh, and that's why I really like the title screen of the game with the window mm. open. And yes. Because that, again, even when the title uh, sequence is finished, it's like, right, so take a moment to press start or options or whatever the fuck you're on these days. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, and so. just that, that haunting music the uh, in that opening um, title uh page menu that's the word I was looking for that you were just talking mm. about and you've got that you know curtain blowing in the breeze and that 
It's really soft, like do do do. Oh, yeah, because so... it feels like a lot of games would have gone bombast, you know, mm. there in its well, not its original term, but yeah. And now it's like, right, we can look out of a window and be wistful, but when you hit start, we're gonna have to shoot some people and get <laughs> back into the apocalypse. So <laughs> or take a don't moment, shoot some to... people. It's a stealth game. Well, um, let's not get into that. I didn't <laughs> like it as much as uh, other people, um, but I hear that you're into knitting. I'm very into knitting. I am very into knitting. <laughs> Although it has to be said that like sewing machine in year eight sewing class, I don't know whether knitting likes me very much, but I'm, I'm giving it a good whack. So is it just something that you've decided to pick up or have you been doing it for a while or now everyone's just sitting around? You're like, this is a good time, question. like Demolition Man, time for <laughs> yeah. some knitting. Well, it's sort of a part of it happened because I was playing D&D um, and I was coming up with a character and I decided it would be really fun to play a nanny on her gap year, like, you know, mid-50s. My has been... <laughs> right, okay. It sounds like a Suda 51 game. <laughs> <laughs> there need to be more old ladies in games. I completely agree. No, that, but, um, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so I had this idea for a Welsh nanny um, who she's just struggling with bedtime stories. You know, she doesn't have a lot of them because she spent her whole life working in-house in quiet towns as a nanny. So she goes off on a gap year to get more stories and she finds that actually skills like being able to lockpick a door with her hairpin when she's forgotten the master's family keys and she's got like a child balanced on her hip. You know, that's actually really transferable to thievery mm-hmm. um, or being able to enter a room and within less than a second detect all the spiky upturned toys that someone could put their foot on well that's trap detection so I invented <laughs> this uh, <laughs> slightly elderly um, thief lady and I was like well she needs to fight with two knitting needles and knit so I was teaching myself to knit so that I could actually knit while we were playing and um and it was really fun and I just got really into it and so I've been graduating I've knitted many scarves and a blanket and now my quarantine project is an actual jumper and whew, it's tricky have you ever tried to knit Steve uh no I haven't but I do know someone who knits all the time And uh, I look at it and I'm like, hmm, that looks well hard. I'm, you know, you know, shit. Like, how? How does it? (laughs) It is like wizardry, isn't it? Yeah. You're like, oh, well, you just do this. And I'm like, no, you, sorry, this. This isn't uh, real. You can't just make you can't just make clothes. It's it, absolutely out of a piece of string. You are literally making clothes out of string. And then you know, every now and then they'll call and say, "Oh, we've got a scarf for you." I'm like, shit. <laughs> okay. Oh, it like, is good being cheers. a friend of a knitter. Oh, it's good. Yeah, the jumpers as well are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm, Usually, uh, you have to pay Tom Ford prices for that sort of shenanigans, but uh, nope. Someone yeah, you know, the, just goes, "Oh, I made one for you." Oh, <laughs> Very Blue Peter moment. Here's one I made earlier. Yeah. So what, when are you going to sell in that thief game into whoever owns the rights now? Square. Because I, <laughs> I would play that one. Would you? Would you play as Bethan? Any any remake of, of Thief. We're like, oh, okay. It's, yeah. it's a bit linear. I want to play that one. Will you play a Nana? He's like, right. Yeah. Listen. Just need it. Well, it, well, she literally is like, all right, listen, because she's got very high charisma being a nanny. And there have been a number of times when we've gotten into encounters and the GM has clearly wanted us to get into a fight. And I've just sort of had Bethan march up to whoever's trying to mug us in the alley and just give them a stern talking to. And it works. Right. Anyone listening to this, you don't steal it. Do not steal it. Cause I, or do and make it because I need to play it. But, yeah. I would also oh. love to play that RPG. That would be uh, fun in video game form. It is very fun in tabletop, though. It's like Nana the Masquerade, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's with knitting. So in terms of, apart from Warzone and apart from knitting mm. and, uh, and the rest of it, what else have you been playing? Animal Crossing, I hear. Animal Crossing, yeah. I mean, I feel like half the world's playing Animal Crossing at the moment. Have you jumped on the bandwagon It upsets yet? me. No, it upsets me because there's too much... Uh, debt and defaulting and credits mm. and debits in it. It's like, mm. guys. Oh, I mean, on. don't get me wrong. I uh, I think I was five days in and I was just like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. What is this game? It's, you know, I'm here, I've got a tent with a couple of things in it and I'm picking through it and I just don't understand. And I rang Louise Blaine, um, a fantastic video games journalist, and she's a real lover of Animal Crossing. 
And mm. she just basically explained to me, and she was like, Alyssa, it's fine if you don't like it. Totally cool. Basically, it's just a massive to-do list. Mm. And there's something really nice about that when, especially at the beginning of the pandemic when it started and people, people were feeling a little bit sort of like out of control, a little bit, you know, um, just not quite having a handle on things. And there's something nice about opening up a game where it gives you really simple objectives like uh, chop wood 10 times or, uh, you know, pick this type of fruit. Mm. And you get rewards that are, that mean you can buy really nice things and you can start customising and making this island your own. And you get really visual manifestations, really visual rewards for your efforts. And suddenly it kind of clicked and I was like, oh, okay. I think I was I was really going into it sort of like wanting a story, wanting sort of like something to fight against. Um, and actually even the whole capitalism thing, like I think it, it is it is dark satire. Like there is there is actually a lot of darkness to Animal Crossing. It really, le it lets you design crypts and like all of these, you know, Louise has created like a whole ritual in her basement with a freezer, including a dead body. And that's in that Animal Crossing. That does not surprise no. me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. It's very on brand, isn't it, for Louise? I know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I've never really gotten into it. And uh, I think maybe I've been put off by people just going on Twitter saying, listen, I'm about to go broke. <laughs> like, can someone buy this? But yeah. I get the, you know, the uh, therapeutic stuff. Like, okay, I've got an island. Now I'm going to oh, build yeah. a nice house. Now I've got a picture in it. I don't know. Yeah, there is obviously, <laughs> well, there's obviously something because uh, that's why it makes uh, millions and millions of pounds. Oh, it so, does. I mean, they yeah. release at the right time. And, and do you know what? Like swinging, I've literally been swinging between Warzone and Animal Crossing and it scratches <laughs> both, <laughs> both of those itches so well. And now Highly for something recommend. completely different. Uh, it's uh, Tom Nook with uh, You Owe Us Money. Uh, <laughs> I, although uh, one of my friends has been talking about Warzone a lot and he was saying that there's something about the compulsion of the cash in that game. Yeah. And he realised that actually you can just drive the car around the edge of the map and wait for everyone to uh, lean out, as it were. <laughs> and then he said, like, yeah, I'm in the top three all the time now. I'm just riding around with a bunch of money in a car. Like, wait a minute, oh. what's he, what does he do? So he, he gets a car and he drives around the edge of the map with it. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, I think that's what he was saying. And uh, then he just waits. Huh. Well, okay, okay. But he was saying that it had some of the best moments in any game ever for him. And they were completely... They were moments that just essentially happened. They were unscripted. And it reminded me of one of my favourite games I used to play with this guy, which was GTA 4, uh, mm -hmm. Cops and Crooks mode. Oh, which, yeah. Which, yeah, where if you're listening, you don't know what it is. Someone plays the cops, the others play uh, the crooks, and they've got to get away. They've got to you know, hit an escape point. But we played it so much that we knew wherever they were driving, where the escape would be. And we had so many moments where we would just drive to where the helicopter spawned and crash it into their escape helicopter. Oh, nice. And the, you could hear people in the post lobby going, what? Ah, and screaming their heads off. But those emergent moments, I believe they used to call them in 2012, <laughs> was... Yeah. Yeah, but Warzone apparently for him contains exactly the same amount of things. So yeah, yeah. it does. It totally does. There was um, there was a moment day before yesterday. I was playing uh, with two of my Netflix colleagues, and we dropped into the prison, and we were playing plunder. So I went into the bowels of the prison to try and get supply crates, and I realised as I was in there that I could hear footsteps in the prison and they knew that they weren't belonging to my colleagues because they were in another part of the prison. So then there was like this moment where you whisper down the headset, I'm not alone, there's someone here. And like the way your heart goes, gugung, gugung, gugung. And like, I don't think the other two people who were raiding the bowels of the prison knew that I was there. So then you're just sort of like waiting there in the dark and then this person came round and I killed them. And then I was like waiting for his friend. It was just something, this sudden firefight after this moment of like, heart in your mouth tension and then the thing with warzone um in plunder mode is that you respawn quite quickly and you can drop onto where you died and try and steal back the money that someone else picked up from you <laughs> so then the prison turned into this churning mass of like bodies and parachutes as like as we just started firefighting each other and then every time someone died they just land back in and it was just like and all the time you're still trying to find the supply crates and do the things that and it was just so much fun um but 
Yeah, really tense. Right. Annoyingly, I've missed the boat on this one. Everyone's going to be amazing at it now, though. I feel like, again, like such a little old man, like, oh, well, I don't have the guns anymore. I don't have the... I wrote a piece once about how I'd lost the Twitch skills at about 28. And just oh. any time Call of Duty came out, it's like being being an, uh, a footballer coming towards 30. <laughs> just can't do it anymore. And it was really, it was really quite upsetting because... You love those games, you play them all the time, and then you're just getting drilled by a bunch of like 15-year-olds who could just turn on a dime. But yeah. the more objective-orientated ones seem to be, yeah, I think that's why they're so popular, because uh, all the old boys can jump back in, <laughs> like the, the senior tour on PGA. Oh, yeah, this is fine. This is absolutely Yeah, fine. there is. Oh, I'm totally guilty of that too. I mean, I've tried it with Fortnite. I've genuinely, I, I have a lot of respect for Fortnite. I genuinely do. I think it's a great game. And, and like the recent concert that they did was incredible. What, an, what a moment. I yeah. wish, I wish I liked Fortnite, Steve, but I just can't wrap my head around the building mechanic and that's such an ancient gamer thing to say if they invent a new way to play a shooter and i'm like no can't be having that it was straight <laughs> i literally spoke to someone day. about that today really yeah uh we talked about it earlier and then after we got off the phone i was talking about he's like oh i just can't do it mate i can't do the building i can do the shooting yeah. <laughs> like we're doomed absolutely doomed you can't like dinosaurs just can't react. It's funny, isn't it? Of like, we're always crying out for innovation. We're like, invent something truly original. And then Fortnite goes, okay, how about building and shooting? Never been done before. And we're like, no, too original. Building and shooting. Don't think so, pal. We can't, listen, have one of them. We can't, you know, can't build up and tear down in the no. same bloody game. No, it's an oxymoron. 100%. Oh, oh, video games. They're actually pretty good. They are pretty good. Well, mm, some of them. I just had my first um, experience of sort of being on the other side of the game making divide of I did my first voice acting. Um, oh yeah, I was just about to ask because this, I'm not sure if you can say the name of it, but it has a cracking name. Yeah, well it has now been announced actually, so um can talk about it a bit. Yeah, it's called Paradise Killer. Oh, what, what a name, what a name. That's like a Brian De Palma movie, you know? Yeah, it's good fun, isn't it? And it's, uh, what I love about it is the devs, are totally they embrace and love the fact that it's totally bonkers you know it's got a great name and a mad premise it's uh it's basically it's an open world murder mystery where you play a character called lady love dies and okay <laughs> so are you with me I'm no like, i'm, with, I'm just wondering really... when the uh when the nana with the knitting needles turns up <laughs> that would 100 100 be in this game it's uh it's got a kind of crazy cast of characters where Lady Love Dies is an investigator who's trying to figure out why the Council of Paradise, uh, they've all died mysteriously. Um, and so she's trying to figure out who murdered the Council. And so you as the player go round. And the sort of USP is that the game never tells you as the player whether you have the correct answers or not. Um, it's a bit like, you know, if you ever played like Her Story? Yeah. Sam Barlow's game. But progress... Progress is basically measured by how many clues you've found. And if you've found enough to make a convincing case for a prosecution, then you can go and make the case. Whereas normal murder mystery games or, or, or any sort of investigation games, it's like you've got to go and tick off lists. It's like, find this clue, find this clue, find this clue. Now you can yeah. go. Whereas in Paradise Killer, you could kind of go straight to court if you wanted to and you had no case and try and convince the judge of... Um, of what you had obviously you wouldn't do very well but yeah it's it, it very much leaves it up to you to sort of invent the narrative of how the council died and I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out in gameplay so how far along is it in terms of can we play it soon or yeah so they've just they've uh, just did a demo this week actually at Ludo Narrative Con um, so yeah it's launching this year there's like a trailer online um, I'm really intrigued to play it because you know, it's it's that weird thing of like, like when I was sent the script for it, so my character um, is the judge. She's called Judge. It's real nominative determinism here. <laughs> I was just literally talking about nominative determinism earlier. But... No way! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should just go, go chat to you about something else. It's like a I repetition. Know, right? You yeah. must be so bored. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was just sort of weird of like, you get given this script and you... 
it's, it, you hear, I guess, like people say all the time of like voice actors, you get given something, you don't know much about it. Yeah. And you sort of like bring this performance to it. And, it. and it is really fun. It's like you learn as much as you can about the game world as possible. And I was given concept art for my character and she's like, she's an immortal. So there was just something really fun about trying to figure out what the voice of this woman, she's got loads of, well, you know, in fact, she doesn't necessarily have a gender, um, but yeah. there's like many faces and sort of like what that sounded like and how that would transmit. Yeah, it's really fun, really cool characters and like a completely kooky, uh, very sort of 70s slash 80s art style, really poppy colours. It's yeah, really fun. The demo's out, as you said. What are the platforms? It's on Steam. PC game. The thing that I'm most excited about for it, the developers... Uh, so one of them used to work at Supermassive. He was a designer there. Um, oh, I love those guys. So they worked on games like Until Dawn and things. So, you know, they know how to piece together a story. Um, but they said that they were really interested in how... Actually, if you look at real-life justice, if you're a prosecutor in the real world... Your job is to convince a jury of a story. And the reality is that as the prosecutor, you actually don't truly know what happened. Like, you don't. Yeah. You've investigated as much as possible. You've got together all your evidence. And then mm. you have to convince the jury. And so they were like, why don't we invent a game that's that's around that premise of like, it's not about a checklist. It's not about... Oh, that's really cool. ...solving what you've been given. It's about going, yeah, I've got to create a story from something. And yeah, so then you go and convince judge and see whether they believe it or not. <laughs> I cannot believe you are now off into the world of uh, mega voice acting. There you go. You'll be <laughs> off now. You'll be off. Oh, yeah, I, I did... Uh, a press interview for The Last of Us Remastered oh. uh, with the principals. And it was Troy Baker. And it, yeah, and it was in a um a Mayfair penthouse. And I was like, oh okay. Okay. All right. It's, these guys wow. are doing well. Oh, <laughs> I mean man. obviously Sony had put it on, but it's like, this is weird because I'm, you know, having to go to the toilet here because it's like eight hours of playing it. Yeah. And then occasionally like I open the bathroom door and one of them is standing there like Hello, voice of the game I've been playing for. <laughs> Sorry, we're in a Mayfair penthouse. That's weird. But that must be so cool to get a, uh, a script in and then you have a work. You can just say, okay, well, it's my character now in yeah. a way. And how do I build it? How do I do the voice for well, it? Well, so, yeah, yeah. And, and also that process of, of going back and forth with, you know, the, the directors and being, you know, with my particular character, they didn't have a clear direction of, of what they wanted the character to sound like, which in some ways is an amazing thing because you have total freedom, but is also like quite scary because you're starting with a blank slate. Um, so we ended up, uh, I did like a couple of takes in different ways and we sort of created a kaleidoscope of Judge and then they sort of listened, figured out what they liked and then we sort of did a final take with the version that we both decided was was the one. But yeah, it was just really interesting seeing that process. But but funny that you say that you interviewed Troy Baker. He seems like the nicest man. Like he He was super polite. And I only use the word super, which I hate as an intensifier because it's very American. But it's only only applicable here. Because he was like, would you like a drink? I'm like, hold on, mate. <laughs> Look at your hair. Look at your hair. <laughs> it defies gravity. Give, give it the big one. It's your, it's your penthouse. But no, he was really, Ashley was great. He was great. And yeah, he seemed very polite, which annoyed me slightly. No, <laughs> how can you be so talented and so nice? I know, right? <laughs> he honestly, he's um, he he was so sweet. Um, he basically did like a a huge favor for me, like a couple of weeks ago. That in lockdown, do not incriminate yourself. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> you're like <laughs> No, in um in lockdown, I've got this thing going with my flatmate where we used to work together at IGN and we always used to make each other cups of tea at work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's that thing of like, you ask someone every hour of every day, do you want a cup of tea? And suddenly it just became this competition of like, who could say it in a weirder way gradually over time. It would start with like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it sounded really normal. Like you'd throw a ball at paper at someone's head or like you know uh, say it in a silly voice or whatever and it, and it just escalated and now I live with Sam um and we found ourselves locked down for the first time 
working alongside each other like in a way that we'd not done for a couple of years so we started making each other cups of tea again and the old competition started and (laughs) it would be stuff like he'd go into the shower and he's a video editor as well and so like I'd like open up his project and animate a quick sequence of like the Mr Bean cup of tea song and then like flashing lettering being like tea question mark and I'd bury it in his project so that like he'd like discover it (laughs) he was like he was editing a documentary on Final Fantasy and there was so much complicated footage and sequencing and then like in all of it just absolutely blown it (laughs) with some tea I'd love if it somehow made it into the final doc wouldn't that be so funny and they had no idea (laughs) <laughs> no, he did discover it. Um, but yeah, so we, we just sort of, you know, another one I dangled off a balcony with a sign like that I'd attached to a broom and sort of like hit his window with it and all of all of these sort of like stupid things. But um, he's, Sam is like a really big fan of uh, Uncharted. Okay. And there's this thing called Cameo where basically you can reach out to celebrities, actors, whoever's on it and ask them to make a video for people oh, yeah, you can, that you yeah. yeah exactly this is so weird as well because this sort of outreach there's a great piece uh i think it was called uh, the age of enigma and sadly it fails me who wrote it but um and it was like in the past you'd be like oh you know all those jokes like michael jackson you know turned up on my house to use you know the phone or the bathroom or whatever and it's like that joke was funny or you know in, at least intriguing in a way because they don't do that but now the age of enigma is over because you can see them on social, you know, you can see them everywhere. And Cameo is like, I can pay someone really yeah. famous to say whatever I want. Totally. It shouldn't be allowed. No, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be <laughs> like allowed. Christian Bale, his £10,000. <laughs> totally. Like, there's, there's something really dirty about it almost. And I think... I think what you're meant to use it for and what you're meant to pay people to do is is to like, so you literally pay Troy Baker to say happy birthday to your girlfriend or like, you know, mm. something or, or like uh, send a cheerful, you'll be, you'll get through lockdown sort of message or something like that. <laughs> and um, as you go, right, and right. I, <laughs> I was like, right, Troy Baker, I will pay you to ask my flatmate whether he wants a cup of tea. And credit to him. I mean, probably because I paid him, but he did it. Unbelievable. And he was so I... sweet about it because it was such a stupid thing to ask. But uh, yeah, credit to the guy. I, I admire it, the one-upmanship that goes on. And once you're locked into that sort of thing, there is just no way of getting out of it. And there is oh, nothing 100%. stupid enough or expensive enough <laughs> which will, which will end something. <laughs> Steve, it's so lame. It's so lame. I spent 40 quid on this stupid joke. Surely you knew someone who bloody knew him. You could have just asked for it. I I, I know, I know. But that well, just, he's a I professional. Don't... They need to get paid. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I just, I just felt... I was trying to weigh up what was lamer, like to ask like Holly Bennett or someone. Oh. No, to, you're right, actually. Or, you're or, right. Or to actually pay him for it. You know, it's suddenly like... No, yeah. you're right. I feel like it's when probably... it's a transaction, it's like, listen, we know we, what this is. We, My exactly. doesn't have to ask you. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine if I'd have asked someone to ask Troy Baker if he would ask my flatmate if he'd like a cup of tea like the chain of that is so convoluted there's too much going on too much there's too much absolutely I mean yeah he probably would have done it it's very polite as I said he is very polite very then you're in hock down the chain it will be weird though one day if I ever meet him like do I say hey Hey Troy, I'm... Hey, I pay. I I paid you for your services. <laughs> I paid you for your voice. Like, I'm the one who asked you <laughs> to record a video about tea. Oh God! At which point, his security detail just pulls a gun immediately. Absolutely immediately. One hundred percent. Yeah. Or, or maybe Troy Baker does. He's a nice guy, but like, don't invade his personal space. Let's not slander anyone here. Um, so before we go, mm. you. You said something earlier and uh, wanted to talk about it in your list of uh, things to chat about. <laughs> so, uh, no, which is good because usually about this point, I'm talking to like Miller or someone going, so what's going on outside the window? Look at <laughs> um, But We can talk about dancing, the building site across the river if you want. They'll get you. But swing dancing seems, it seems weird. <laughs> A lot of people say that, and I think it's because there's the the sort of connotations of swing in a modern context. If you say, like, oh, what are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'm going to go to swing. 
And people always give you a really weird... And I did. I had no idea what it meant to go swinging. Oh, like, no, I, I meant the musical form, not the... <laughs> yes, sorry. We should probably we should probably explain. I do swing dance. But it... <laughs> yeah, so rewind. Uh, Jim, I, inc- incriminating, incriminating. Incriminate, um, incriminating. Yes, no, I do swing dance. And, it's, and I have done for a couple of years. And it's really, really fun and joyful. But uh, anyone outside of swing always gets... They never really quite know what it is. And they hear swing and mm. they think of something else. And it's just... It's a really fun dance, Steve. It's like... It's just totally joyful. Do you know what it looks like? Have you... Do you um, when I say swing, do you know what sort of dance it is? Well, I only know generally, and I think I've seen you post some stuff on Insta, which also sounds very bad. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... Uh, I, I don't know. It's usually you going on about it. And like, the person in the world who is still going on about swing dancing. Oh, the the thing? There's a lot of us. <laughs> there is a lot of us. It's... um. So swing swing dancers basically it's a group of dancers that evolved with the swing style of jazz music in the 1920s mm-hmm. to the 1940s. So um swing is like swing jazz music. They the musicians started inventing so the rhythm of their music was like ba 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 ba. So did you hear that ba 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 rather than mm-hmm. one two three four it was like that sort of swung note um, created yeah. something completely different in the rhythm. And so uh, there was a group of African-American dancers who were like, this sounds amazing. And they invented this form of dance that uh, was just totally about self-expression. In fact, they didn't even know that it was a dance at that time. It was just how they danced. And they were constantly inventing kind of like new ways and, and new moves. And so they split into different types of dance that includes like Lindy Hop, Balboa, uh, shag, which does sound very wrong, doesn't it? Going swing, doing shag dancing. <laughs> the super cut of this conversation is going to be terrible. It's going to be, yeah. what is this? Um, and probably the more well-known out of all of them is Charleston. Um, mm. And yeah, so there's now like a massive group of dancers who've sort of like revived it all over the world. And, and I think the reason why I love it so much is because a lot of people, when they think of like partner dancing, you probably know quite a few people who've tried like salsa or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, partner dancing like that is fun, but it's all about being quite sexy. And it's a bit of a strange thing to do with strangers and like, ugh. whereas mm. Lin- Lindy is and swing, it's, it's about making your partner laugh. Like it's about being really goofy and a bit stupid and and just, you know, yeah, just having fun with it. And and there's something fun about dancing a dance that's whole remit, it's total heartbeat, it's joy. I mean, that is the best ad I've ever heard for that. Really? Um, <laughs> and yeah, maybe you should put that into uh, Strictly as well, because uh, <laughs> uh, given the amount of divorces every season. That, oh, <laughs> that God, like, yeah. Maybe you guys should just can. do this one. The amount of times where you see uh, people who are on it going into hotel rooms, it's like, you're famous. You're on telly. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, ridiculous. I know. But how did you start it then? How did you get into it? Um, I think I don't really like exercise, Steve. It's just, it's not my friend. I get very bored <laughs> doing press-ups. And I wander off in search of a snack halfway through. It's a real problem. Uh, and who so- doesn't? <laughs> and so I was like I want to do a form of exercise that is fun and music and dancing like I love um and I've always been a sort of person who dances at the club and I don't take it seriously like it's always about sort of making eye contact with someone (laughs) and just dancing at them (laughs) in a aggressive way (laughs) but like trying to make them laugh and and um and yeah someone just sort of like mentioned swing to me and was like it's just a really joyful dance and uh yeah, I I just got the bug. Um, yeah, it's 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 just really expressive. There's like a song that I dance to called Revival Day, um, and like it's really it's so uplifting. The lyrics like, Have you ever heard a da 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 da? And it just goes da 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 da. And like you can't help when you're dancing to it. I can't get the full rhythm. I can't like capture in this rubbish mic. I'm sure that sounded so shit, but it's. Like... Jim, add the studio version. Yeah. Add the studio version. <laughs> you know, screw the license. However much it costs, <laughs> get the song. That's, that's the absolutely detonated in license fee, but. <laughs> But um, whenever it comes on and I dance like with my boyfriend to it, it's like, 
And it's and you know what you're talking about these emergent moments of gameplay. I find like it happens sometimes unintentionally in swing of like, you know, my boyfriend will be swinging me out and we'll both do the same variation at the same time. Like, I'll I'll do a particular move and he's doing it at the exact same point and like. Mm-hmm. It's just there's something there's this really beautiful moment of connection where both of our eyes light up like oh my god you were thinking what <laughs> I was thinking wow <laughs> and yeah it's fun to do in lockdown I can't believe we've gone from uh, shooting people for money to <laughs> in Warzone to uh, to swing dancing I but know you made you made the case for both of them I must say very very well <laughs> never say that there's not variety in my lockdown. <laughs> I mean, you sound like you're having the best time. <laughs> it's like, it's how on earth is this? How on earth is this possibly happened? Well, on that note, before Jim uh, inserts uh, absolutely ruinous legal uh, costs for uh, mm. <laughs> the the tunes, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to Paradise Killer, and yeah, just let me know when we can all find that, and uh, hopefully we'll get it. Absolutely, and we're we're gonna drop into Verdansk. We're gonna do it. Okay, me and you. Okay, no worries. All right. Well, this has been oh, this fucking pun. Ventin quarantine. It's perfect. Ventin quarantinos is perfect in a very Jim Trinker sort of way. People love it. That's a great fucking name for a podcast. <laughs> Every time I say it, I feel like in about five years' time, this will this will be brought up. But anyway, Alicia, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fantastic. Um, and as I said at the start of the show, uh, there'll be links uh, below or wherever you're listening to this to the things we'll be talking about, charities, etc. So, anyway, thank you so much. Take it easy, and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Mm-hmm.